wicked, wicked fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola, come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hey everyone, this is Colin Macy O'Toole from Below Deck Mediterranean and you're listening to Jim and Florence on the forum. Hi, everyone. This is James Patrick, and welcome to our great podcast, The Forum. The outreach that we have done has paid off. We are getting so many people from other countries. We've now got listeners in 104 countries. We cannot believe it. Sometimes our non-American fans are outdoing our American fans, and it's all because of the great marketing of my partner, my cohort in crime, Florence Carmella. How are you, Florence? I'm doing great, James. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. We had quite a last uh, five weeks, and I'm sorry I almost yes. ruined it by being sick uh, for a week yes. or so of that, but we still had a good time. Yes, we did. It was wonderful. And I ate a lot of food. I gained about eight pounds, so uh, I got to get back into it, uh, walking five Me miles too. a day. We, but during the time, we also got to speak to some amazing people. We're going to speak to number one oh, yeah. writer, New York Times bestselling author, Rachel Van Dyken. If you remember, we did a collaboration with Rachel and Kathy Ireland with their book, Fashion Jungle, and it went really well. People were getting celebrities now asking us to do these, and it's just a really yeah. o- real honor. And we got to talk in depth to the great Mick Foley. Oh, my God, what a character. What a fantastic Iconic. guy. Super smart. And it was he was very gracious to us, and we're so appreciative. Mick, shout out to you. And thank you to Ron Fuller also for all his kindness, the great wrestler, the Tennessee stud. He, his book, uh, Brutus, is flying off the shelves. We just were so appreciative. We could have a small, just a tiny a bit of help for him in that. And uh, shout out to Ron and to all the great writers that we have. And we're going to be speaking to one now. So why don't you introduce her? Yes, I'm very excited. She has become a friend, not just a friend on social media, but she is a wonderful lady, prolific writer. She has a very, very good following, a very strong following on social media. Her book, Oil and Water, is very, very popular. I own a copy. I've also reviewed the book, which I absolutely love. So I want to welcome Laura and Dominic to the forum. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm doing well, Florence. How are you? Doing great. Laura, we're so excited. I have three copies, Florence, of her book. I gave two away, 
Uh, we had a special day of getting people, and we're going to talk about this later because I'm really anal about this topic, <laughs> but we got a, an exciting situation where people were buying her book. People were excited. Her reviews have been going through the roof. It must be in a very yeah. exciting time for you, Laura, just to see the excitement around your book. It really is. It's also very surreal because this is still such a new chapter of my life. So for it to be received the way it has is something that I never could have anticipated, but I want there to be no doubt that I am so beyond grateful for the response that to my book and to me. Now, what separates, I think, the writers, let's face it, there's two approximately 25,000 new books a year. That means new authors, and that is a lot of books. So it's a real hustle and bustle out there. And the thing with Laura, which I love, is she is so hardworking. She's so appreciative of what she gets, and she's very giving. Now, a lot of people, when I first got into this, said, Jim, you're too giving. You're naive. You're dumb. You're this. You're that. But this is, again, someone who buys into the fact that if you give, you get and this is a, and that's not the reason she gives. She gives because she's a kind person, but we really love her personality. Why don't you kind of inspire some of these writers that a lot of them feel, wow, if I give too much, I'm kind of taking away from myself. And I hear that all the time from writers. Why don't you talk about your spirit of giving in the writing community? So there is, um, there are a lot of industries out there where you have a zero sum game, where if you get to a customer, I don't then get to that customer. The beautiful thing about writing and reading is that it is not a zero-sum game. Someone who reads my book is also going to like another vampire book or another speculative fiction book or another urban fantasy book. And so if they like my book, they might get all three of those books. They might yes. end up buying dozens. It's not a one or none deal. So there is absolutely no harm for me to promote someone else's work because the thing is, especially if it's something that aligns with mine, that aligns with my vertical, that is my genre, those are the type of things that we can uplift each other and we can work together to get our voices heard and to help readers find our words. I think also what Laura and a lot of the people that we've been associated with took 10 top writers in a certain genre. None of them had, they all said they were doing well, but they wanted to get to the next level. None of them had over 700 followers followers on Twitter. And I think that is what, and I told them all, this is what's missing. Get on Twitter, start getting your positive energy out there, share your book, have other people share your stuff through them. And I think Twitter is one of the most underutilized things for writers and for musicians for that matter. And I think Laura has really conquered it with her positive spirit and her giving spirit. And it's hard work, I'm telling you. But talk about your adventure on Twitter and how that's helped sell your book. So Twitter actually, and this is like confession hour right here. So I had like less than 120 followers when my book launched back in May. Um, and even the first week of June, I still had like, didn't use Twitter. And a friend of mine who is also an author, she said, you need to get on Twitter. And I was like, gosh, really? You're going to make me do another social media? I'm so like for a millennial, I'm social media illiterate. I'm really just like, can't we just 
talk to you for real. And so I was like, okay, fine. And so I got on. And one of the first people I met, and this is amazing, uh, was J.L. Rothstein, Jen Rothstein, who immediately we just like clicked and we started working, you know, we read each other's books. We started working to promote each other. And I realized that there is so much to this community because we started having other friends who kind of joined in on this little circle of writers that really have become very close, even just in the span of a few months. And honestly, that is the majority of the growth that I've had. I really just, I find people who I enjoy talking to and I interact with them and I learn about them. I mean, I have probably at least a hundred people who I could tell you who their favorite celebrity is or who their favorite or what their favorite TV show is, what their favorite childhood book was, because these are the sort of icebreakers we do on a daily basis just to really learn about each other. But it also brings this personal touch to Twitter where I've always said, I will never buy followers. That is not something I'm interested in doing. It is not... If I'm growing a following, I want it to be people who are following me because they want to see what I'm doing, because they want to hear what I have to say, and because maybe I can help them in some way. And so really just having this community, I mean, it sounds silly, I guess, but um, the writing community on Twitter, which is its own hashtag, really is a community. It feels like a neighborhood where you can just go knock on your friend's door and be like, like them and you're like, hey, what are you up to today? I haven't heard from you in a bit. Tell me, tell me, tell me. And it's really just this nice, cozy kind of feeling. But even though it's cozy, it has blown up in such a way I, I could never have anticipated having this many followers all at once and especially not ones who actually really cared about what I have to say about the work I'm putting out. I think that's what I really like is that, and shout out to Jen. We love Jen. She's such another hard worker, but a lot of writers tell me they're intimidated by Twitter. It looks high maintenance. People are mean. Boy, I get probably three to five hate emails a day, and I'm not exaggerating. Sometimes it's up to 10, but I think some of them are kind of funny. I even post some of them. I haven't done it in a while, but I'll post, <laughs> I'll post evil messages. And some of them just crack me up. I, I'm not an they insecure guy. Little hate makes me laugh. I, it, 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 that means they're paying attention to you. So don't be intimidated if someone, Florence and I taught some courses on how to handle Twitter as a writer and a musician. And there were very, we were shocked. It was the first we ever did. And it was really popular. Hundreds of people listened and we couldn't believe it. And that's why we kind of really collaborated. But I think what I like about Laura is again, she makes it a positive experience. She makes it, she doesn't big time anybody. She remembers what it was to have a hundred followers. And in the end, there's people that are bigger than her that are kind of being attracted that she's leading as well saying, Hey, let's do this. And I'm noticing a lot of more bigger accounts following you, Laura, and they're, and you're taking the lead. Yeah. You know what? It's, um, again, it goes back to just that it's this surreal kind of feeling. You know, I never thought that people with like 150,000 followers would just follow me with like seemingly no reason because I'm like, oh, I remember what it was like to have 100 followers. I, that was three months ago. That's still who I am. That's still mm-hmm. just like, it's not like I've become this different person. So it's still just like the same me just now with all of these followers. And now there's honestly, there's a little bit of pressure that goes with it too, because now I'm like, oh, I have to actually like watch what I say because what I say has, has weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you're a good writer, Bronk, I believe. I, I'm a big basketball fan and I remember Woo! writer having some good basketball <laughs> teams in, in the great state of New Jersey. We were like, we were champions like yeah. for my entire four years there. Excellent team. And also what made you, you now 
live in Florida. I remember on your website it said you had such a love for Florida and the and the Gulf Coast. What where did that love come from? So this is actually my home. So mm-hmm. my parents are both from Central Florida. My dad grew up in Orlando, and my mom grew up near Tampa, about a half an hour from where I currently live. And I was an army brat, so I was actually mm. born in Germany on, on a U.S. military base. So natural born U.S. citizen, which has confused many an HR department in my time because <laughs> they see yeah, Germany. I was just Dumb civilians. Oh, Oh, yeah. It's just, you know what? It's it's nice to be able to just like stump people with something so mundane. Um, (laughs) uh, And then because I was an army brat in the early 90s, my dad went to the first Gulf War and we moved in with my grandparents in Florida. Then he came back and we moved around a little bit and we eventually settled up in New Jersey where my dad retired. My parents had fallen so in love with the community that we had there at the military base that we stayed all the way up through when they closed that military base down. It was Fort Monmouth. Um, Wonderful, wonderful place to grow up, honestly. Very sad when they closed it down. Mm -hmm. But they eventually took their jobs with them to Maryland. I stayed in New Jersey because I'd gone to college there, fallen in love, got married. And then they moved to Florida. And my husband owns a small business. And when we had our child, I said, you know what, listen, this community, especially without the base, it's, I don't think that it's just the right place for us anymore. And so we were renting. So we just decided, you know what, let's go ahead and give Florida a try. Let's go. Cause my parents were retired. We would have a little bit of help with the kid when we needed it. Mm-hmm. And so we tried it and I fell immediately in love. I could not be happier with the decision to move here. Wow. No, I, I've heard so many wonderful things about the state. So I can see you falling in love with it. I have several family members who've lived in different states in the South and absolutely love the warm weather and just love, basically love the lifestyle. But I did want to ask you, because I wasn't sure, are you a full-time writer? Like, in other words, is that your full-time occupation now? Or do you have another job and you're doing the writing on the side? So I'm a full-time mom is my actual job, but writing is yeah. my se- is my secondary. When I can get a little bit of time here or there, when he's in school, when he's in bed, things like that, that's when I really kind of can tuck in and get some writing done. That's amazing. And, and I have to say kudos to you for being a full-time mom, because I absolutely um, embrace that. I, I work in education. I've been a teacher for all of my adult life, and I absolutely think that's wonderful. But I know that you are a prolific writer and you put 100% into that. So I also wanted to mention oil and water because I don't think there's anyone who's been on social media who doesn't know about this amazing book. So can you tell us a little bit about it and what started you on the path of writing oil and water? So I get, and you can't see me, but I'm actually blushing right now because this, um, whenever people ask me about like what started me with this, um, I honestly, oil and water, I began writing it back in March. So it has not, so it has not been that long. Um, And I I put it out pretty quickly, which people like, wow. And I'm like, it didn't feel very well, but thank you. (laughs) 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 It just felt like, honestly, it felt like once the concept of the story came to me. I actually, I'd gotten injured from running, which is one of my passions, one of my hobbies. I ended up with perineal tendonitis, which is in your foot and it hurts and it's awful. And I was in a boot and they'd just been talking about how this coronavirus thing was coming to the US. And I was like, well, gosh, I'm not even going to have running to take my mind off of everything. And I looked at my husband and I said, you know how I've always kind of thought about writing a book? And he was like, yeah. And I said, would you like, would you be cool with supporting me if I decided to do that? Because I think I've got a concept and I think I can flesh it out. And he said, yeah, let's, let's figure out and you'll do that. And he 
was so supportive and so amazing. We sat down and we kind of worked out times that I could actually get some writing done, which all almost immediately went out the window because the minute I started writing, I couldn't put it down. It was like this story was like bursting out of me like an alien (laughs) in one of those movies. It just, it would not stay put. Like I would be up until two in the morning with my fingers still flying just because it wouldn't stop blowing. And I think that there was a lot of, a lot of things during that time, because it was only a week after I started writing that we really started having lockdowns across the country, that we started having restrictions on where you could go, how close you could be to other people. And I found that I was Mm -hmm. feeling really isolated, that anxiety was really starting to settle in, that there was just this cloud of doom over everything. And if you read oil and water i'm sure that like a lot of those feelings of isolation and anxiety really come through and i think that that's where it found you know found its inspiration is you know i had i had the concept i was like you know what have all of these vampire books where you have this first of all it's a teenager and i said gosh you know i'm in my 30s i don't necessarily want to read about a teenager who falls in love with a hundred year old dude because it makes me feel a little squicky (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, like it's, of course, I still love reading those books. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I don't, but at the same time, I was like, where's the book for me? And I said, and what if she wasn't like, you know, a loner? What if she wasn't a weirdo? What if she was someone who really had just this amazing support system who had friends and family who really cared about her and who she really cared about and who, if some crazy immortal being came into her life, she would not want to be taken away from it. You know, like no matter, and I said, and even better, what if she always kind of fantasized about it and it was a real be careful what you wish for situation. And so that's where Elsie came. Mm -hmm. And at the same time I was thinking, but then again, you never have just this really badass woman vampire who she's tough and she's ruthless, but she also has like a little bit of a soft, chewy center that maybe she doesn't even realize she has at first and it has to kind of come out of her in time. And how would their story mesh and how would they interact and what would draw them together and what would be that world? What would that look like? And so I really just started, I started, um, I wrote all of Elsie's portions of the books just like on their own. And then I went back and I wrote all of Opal's portions of the books. Um, and I was like, I showed it to my husband. He said, you've got something here. And I said, you think? And he said, yeah, yeah, I think you do. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, kind of half believing him because he's my husband and he loves me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is a really good book. I have to say it was probably one of the best books that I've read in a while. I was fortunate enough to receive some really great books this year, and um, it definitely got my attention from the very beginning. And it's hard to put down. I mean, I have to say, it's not one that you're going to read in a couple of different sittings or over a matter of a week or two. Like, once you start, you don't want to stop. So I have to say, kudos to you for that, because there aren't many books that grab you from the very beginning. Excited because you had said there's a second book on the way. So for all your fans, that is a very, very exciting thing to know. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I, um, I got it done. Um, the semi-final draft um, finished at the end of July and I've had it with some beta readers. Um, and, you know, like I'm just trying to make sure because I really want to make sure that the, the story in the second book, because it does take a major departure from the world that I've built for the characters in the first one, it, I don't want to give too much away, but it takes on yeah. a little bit of a dystopian tilt while still keeping 
keeping it purely focused on the characters. That's, that has always been my main thing. I don't necessarily want it to be a thing where you have to think too much about the world building. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love books like that. Like I love fantasy. I love sci-fi. I love all of that. But for me personally, I want to explore what the human personal reactions would be to being in that situation. So it really comes down to more the people than it does the places or the events. The places and events are just there to give them something to react to. And so um, I kind of, I tried to keep that really strongly at the forefront that it's about these characters and what they're going through emotionally rather than physically. Now, I wanted to give your husband a shout out because we I've talked to Michael mm-hmm. a little bit online. He's at Twitter at no capitals, D-O-M. I-N-U-C-C-O. He's a coder and he has a really good podcast that I, I've listened to. Half of it, I don't know what he's talking about because it's a little above me, but I do enjoy it and I do watch it. And if, especially if you're a coder into computers, it's a great podcast. So big shout out to Michael. Now, I wanted to talk to you, Laura, about what are your, some of your upcoming projects? Because you're obviously a real go-getter. You've got a lot going on. What are some of the things that you could talk about? Obviously, we talked off air. You can't give up too much. But what are some of the things that you could tell us about? So I have a book that I did finish um, back in August, put it up on Pitmat, and I've sent out a couple of um, queries for it. Um, I'm really hoping that it catches someone's attention. It's called The Artificial Afterlife of Adam Ball. Like Well and Water, it's speculative, but rather than being speculative uh, paranormal or urban fantasy, it's speculative sci-fi with a basis in artificial intelligence. And mm-hmm. the question of what what is it about AI that would or would not allow that person to be a person? Asking a lot of those questions, what makes a person not just a person, but who they are? It was it's a bit of a shorter book, but you know, I mean, oil and water is long. Like I'm just going to put it out there, oil and water is long. Mm-hmm. Um, the artificial afterlife of Adam Ball is a little um, about half the length, but it has a lot less of that world building that Oil and Water does. And it was a book that just came to me literally sitting on my couch as I was finishing up writing Illusion and Ash, which is going to be the title of Oil and Water's sequel. And I said, this is kind of a cool concept and I think I need to run with it. Now, do you have mm-hmm. a, a approximate date or part of the year that this is going to come out? That one, no. That one is actually, um, I'm working trying to uh, secure either publishing or an agent um, because mm-hmm. I think that it has a lot of market appeal, especially, you know, I mean, it's trendy, it's AI, it's the concept of robotics and all of the things that are potentially realistic in the next 30 to 50 years. Mm-hmm. So things mm-hmm. that, you know, questions that are going to be asked that I'm like, you know what, let's ask them now. Let's just, let's get ahead of the game. Let's ask the questions. Oh, that's very cool. Who were some of the authors when you were a little, Laura, that you like to read that you really, un- that really got you going, especially as a teen? What were some of the books or authors that you really enjoyed? So... I mean, like every good millennial, I mean, not every good millennial, but most good millennials, um, I grew up on Harry Potter, but that was, you know, the end of elementary, the end of elementary school. I was an avid reader just from like a very young, young age. I read The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe when I was very Mm, little. Um, One of my favorites. That is my actual all-time favorite book. Wow. Um, it's the first novel I ever read. I think I was kindergarten or something. I was I was an advanced reader. I'm, I'm not going to brag. Like, I was advanced. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll leave it there. That's the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I loved reading the Goosebumps books when I was a kid because I loved to be just a little oh, scared. Yeah. I loved the Animorphs because it was like this cool mix of fantasy and sci-fi. Um, teenage years, I got really into, there's an author and 
to this day, I still absolutely adore, um, I haven't read anything new of hers and I feel terrible about it, but I should. Uh, her name is Amelia Atwater Rhodes and her book, Shattered Mirror, which is actually on my desk right now, is the very first young adult vampire book I ever read. So I really probably owe a lot to her. <laughs> Shattered Mirror and Demon in My View and In the Forests of the Night. And it was just this really amazing kind of series, but it wasn't the same characters in each book. Like you might see, so in the first book, there's one character who kind of, he's a side character. And then he shows up in the second book as a main character. And the same mm. thing in the third one. Um, and so she she does this really good job of creating a series and creating a world where you can have all of these stories that are not necessarily interwoven. She was, I think, 14 when she published her first one. You would never know. They're amazing. So she was like an inspiration for me as a teenager. Because I was like, I could write a book. I could not write a book as a teenager. <laughs> not for the life of me. I was, <laughs> I was too busy reading them. I loved Stephen King. Read a lot of Stephen King. Um, actually did my junior year thesis on Stephen King. So we did, we got to pick an author and I picked him because I was already obsessed. And so I did the books Carrie, Firestarter, and I read a lot. So I'm trying to remember what the third book I read for the project was and not just that I read that year because I could. I think it was Dreamcatcher. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Fire Which is Starter. so different from the other two. Yeah, Firestarter awesome. to me is underrated. I know. Oh my it, gosh, it's so good. Yeah, I love Firestarter. <laughs> Those are some of the biggies. Those were fantastic. <laughs> now, I also wanted to ask you, you're an avid athletic person. You love fitness. Talk yeah. about that as being a part of your life and how that kind of has helped you during this pandemic and also during the stresses of writing a book, being a mom, all that stuff. How has it helped you being someone that's so active? You know what? There is, you know, there's the line from, um, from Legally Blonde. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but a lot of my running friends, like we've always joked, we should get the shirts. It says, um, exercise gives you endorphins and endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. Um, and you know what? Happy people, you know what? Exercise really is good for a marriage because you know what? There are days, and I love my husband. He's the most supportive person, but there are days that marriage is just hard, especially in lockdown because you're with these people all the time yeah. and being able to get outside and go run for a little while and just kind of have time where it was me either quiet or with my headphones running around the conservation trails, just kind of listening to the evening or watching the sunrise. Those are things that really kind of helped center me and bring me back to this area where I'm like, I can go and I can be a patient mother and I can be a loving wife and I can do the things I need to do. And it also gave me an opportunity because I was alone without people talking to me, without people needing something from me just in those little bits of time that I could wrap my head around what was going on with my characters, put on a playlist that really fit the mood of the scene I was trying to wrap my head around and I could get into that character's head and figure out how would they react? What would they do? Because I'm just out there just focused. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I only drove uh, twice thinking murderous thoughts. So I did okay, didn't I, Florence, the last month? You, uh, you did well, considering that, yeah, we were in quarantine. We were stuck together, both on vacation. So, yeah, so I understand what Laura said. <laughs> it is. I was, I was at my best behavior. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> 
but what but I what I enjoy about is what you're trying to do because let's face it when you're doing writing you're doing something like this it become it becomes almost an obsession and I oh, think yeah. with your athletic is it's showing a well-roundedness it's showing there's times where you got to drop a pen you got to get off the computer get off social media go sweat get those endorphins pumping and uh, you know by yourself and just kind of get take a deep breath in life and kind of restore yourself. So I think what your approach is very healthy. Yeah. And you know what? There's the other aspect of, I actually used to hate running. Um, I didn't start running till a little over two years ago because, um, so I taught strength training classes at the time. So I, mm-hmm. I was already into fitness, but I hated running. You couldn't, in our training classes for, for the training that I did, they were like, you need to uh, tell people to go run. And I'm like, good, as long as I can tell them and I don't have to do it with them because I'm not going to. <laughs> and so one of my fellow trainers, her name was Julie and love her dearly. She was like, you should come out. There's this group. It's called She Runs This Town. And I was like, Julie, I don't run. And she was like, just come for a group run. And I'm like, Julie, I can't keep up with you. Mm -hmm. She said, just come. There will be someone for you to run with. And so I showed up. Well, actually, that's not true. I slept through my alarm and then I went the next day. (laughs) (laughs) So with all the enthusiasm you could muster. uh, Of course. And I showed up and the the woman in question, the next part of the story is actually my best friend now, but she loves to tell the stories. This girl walks up and she looks right around the group and they're like, here, this is Annika. You're going to run with her. And I looked at her and I said, hi, I'm Laura. I hate running. And she was like, (laughs) internally, she was like, why are you here? Why are they pairing me with her? This is the worst. (laughs) Um, And now we're best friends. Oh, that's cool. Well, you know what? We realized immediately that like there was just this connection. And you know, like I think that soulmates are not necessarily like the person you marry. I think that soulmates are people who at various times in your life, they feed something in your soul that you need. And she is definitely my soulmate. Um, She and I, we came together at like the right time and we have been there for each other through different things that had we not had each other specifically would have been much harder to deal with because we were each equipped to help each other in the way that only we would have been. And so that's been really awesome. But because of She Runs This Town, I always have someone to run with if I want to, but I always have people cheering me on from a distance if that's what I need. Sure. that's the, And that's a great thought. Yeah. Uh, I think also, as we kind of talk about this well-roundedness, the one thing that we'd really enjoy all of you that are fans of all of our writers and that it's very difficult, very competitive, and we would really enjoy just a little bit of your time where it be doing a review. And a lot of you, we were talking about intimidation when it comes to reviews. Some people do put war and peace. We don't need that. If you just put five stars, four stars, whatever you think the book is and just say, this is a great, uh, I really enjoyed it. I love this. You don't have to, no one's judging you. No one's saying, oh my God, Rosie fan 19 can't write a review to save her life. You know, no one's caring about that. What they care about is that you actually do it and you're doing it in a way that's supportive, kind, because these reviews are big deal. Because in today's society, I went to a conference, 83% of decisions about a purchase are done by reviews. So these reviews are so important. And explain to our listeners what it means when you do get a review and you, especially a good one. What? How do you feel? So there are just the way it feels. I honestly, I don't even know how to quite explain it. I have was trying to 
talk about this with a friend this morning because she said, you know, her book's not out yet. And she said, I can't even imagine what it must feel like to get those reviews. And I said, it feels a little bit like a dream. It's very surreal because you have this idea that, oh my gosh, someone read my words, they liked my words, and then they told me about how they liked my words, the different ways, and it connected with them. Like something in what I put on that page struck something within them. And it's this odd feeling of connection to the person who read it. It's this beautiful feeling of knowing that you gave someone something because that's really what you're doing. When someone reads a book that they like that much, it's you're giving, you're feeding a part of their soul. And knowing that something that I did, did that for another person is just this odd, uplifting and humbling feeling. It really, and just, I mean, especially family and friends, I really encourage you to support these writers. It is lonely at times to be a writer because you're writing, you're so enthralled with it. And when you first start it, it can take forever. There are so many steps you have to do to publish a book. There's rejection. There's different other things that are going on. So there's a lot of emotional ups and downs. So when you do give a review, it's really kind of an attaboy. It's, it's that kind of burst that you could get of energy you could give to someone to say you know what i'm having a rough day but wow look at this review it made my day and it really does make writer's day so especially if you're a family member or a loved one or a friend please spend 30 seconds to write a review go on amazon click on whatever you think the book deserves and five four five stars three stars anything under three Don't do a review. I, I think that a lot of you times. You know what, what though? I'd love if people told me. Like, if yeah, it was a one or two, I, tell me what, what it was that you didn't like. Yeah. Is it just that it's not your kind of book? Because I get that. There are a lot of great books out there that I don't love. But, you know, like, tell me why. Is it yeah. that you think that I did something poorly? Because I would love to be able to improve my craft. Yeah. And that's the thing is that if you, if it is below three, we always tell, and I've given below three, but I don't give them because I think it's too important to not give a bad review. I will email the author and say, wow, I really think you missed the boat on this, or I I was lost. You didn't really develop the character. I'm not going to slander them online with a bad review, but I am going to let them know that I wasn't really into this. This didn't hit me. Now, if it's not your genre, I understand. Don't knock someone if it's not your genre. But if it's a book that I I read one book that had, had to have 30 mistakes, 30, you know, mistakes. I don't know if the editor was asleep. I don't know what happened. Then I would contact the author. But again, they really do want your feedback, good or bad. And obviously, we're not going to like everything about a book. But the thing is, is that you do want to kind of encourage them and to make them know, wow, I can't wait till the next one's out. And that that really could inspire someone to keep going. I've talked to many authors who said, they wanted to quit, but when they started getting good reviews, they started getting encouragement from people and positive quality feedback. Don't be one of those that just gives feedback when it's negative. Give it both ways, positive or negative. And they often say, that review really inspired me. So please, everyone, give reviews. And you've gotten some amazing reviews, and the outpouring of support has been fantastic for you, Laura. And we're really excited about your future. You've got a lot of other projects in the in the works why don't you get the last word what would you like to tell our our listeners um i mean honestly i'm very i'm just so grateful for everything that has come out of the last six months for me because really i mean really it's been a little over six months since i picked up the pen so to speak to write oil and water um and you know i've written 
including Oil and Water, now three books on my own. I've got another one in the works with a fellow writer, Elle McKenzie, on Twitter. Um, you, you can follow her to um, keep up with our uh, our adventures writing this book together. But it's um, if there is something that you think you want to do is really kind of what I would like to say. If there's something you think you want to do, just do it because I've always, you know, like I always kind of wanted to write a book, but I never thought I had the time or had the talent. And I really just, the right time hit me. And I said, now is the time to do this. And it was. And I think that if you are struck by this idea that you want to do something, that it's the time to do it, please follow through with that. Follow your passion, follow your dream, because you really never know where it's going to take you and how it'll take off. Excellent. And again, follow Laura and on Twitter. It's at capital L A R A capital A N N capital D O M I N I C K. Her website is lauraandominic.com. Go on it. It's got some great stuff on there. She's blogging, she's writing, she's sharing things on Twitter, but especially follow her on Twitter because that's kind of the heart of all that she's doing and support all the people that she supports. And again, really give her a lot of love. And if you haven't given her a review, go on Amazon, go on Goodreads, go on wherever you want to go, but give one review to her this week. I would challenge you all to do that. And that would really, really mean a lot. Thank you so much, Laura, for coming on the show. We're going to have you on again in the future and we're very very excited about your career thank you so much i can't wait for the next time all right take care everyone redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.